1: Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast Saturday afternoon edition. We've got a great show today. Andrew Gross from the New York Newsday is going to join us in segment two to look at the Islanders and how they're doing this year. Probably one of the most surprising teams in the National Hockey League. After that, Lyle Spector, the owner-operator of of Spector's Hockey. Did I say Lyle Spector? Lyle Richardson is going to be here. Um, We're going to break down all the latest rumors. We're going to go over the Muzzin trade with him a little bit Um, and then the Florida Pittsburgh trade. So the trade winds are blowing, and Lyle Richardson will be in to break it all down for us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, hockey fans. Thank you for joining us here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa, as always, out on Long Island, getting through the tail end of the bitter week that was from the Midwest on out to the East. Uh, Chris, how are you out there?
2: Uh, It's still
0: a little – we're getting there. I think tomorrow we're going to take a – we'll take a nice jump up.
1: Well, it's not every day you learn. I learned this week that uh, the Celsius – And the Fahrenheit temperature gradient converges at negative 40. There's one point on the temperature scale that when they're both the same temperature and they find that center at negative 40. And they were talking about Minneapolis where the temperature was the same as centigrade and Fahrenheit. So I hope everybody's been safe. I hope everybody's uh, been able to stay inside, light the fires and the wood-burning stoves and crank up the heat. And uh, stay safe I hope everybody that listens to the show And everybody else had a had a safe week No matter what the weather was in their region So we've got a good show today For everybody Chris was able to snag Andrew Gross From the New York Newsday He's the beat writer for the Islanders For that publication uh, Follow him on Twitter At agrossnewsday um, So that's going to be a fun conversation We're going to get into the New York Islanders With him And then Lyle Richardson from Specter's Hockey uh, well, there's been some trades already. It's the uh, deadline's almost almost four weeks away, but yet uh, the trade winds are already blowing. Teams that think that they need to add that piece right now, they're they're not waiting to pull the trigger on their deals. So we're gonna have a good conversation with Richardson. Um, but let's start now. The All Star break is over. the The night, Golden Knights coming off a nine day break. We're in Carolina last night. They lost five to two. Uh, following up today in Florida. I imagine Flurry will get the start. Legacy was in net last night, um along with a couple other roster moves. Um uh, was in, Lindbergh was out, Legacy was in. Flurry was out. Theodore was the bright spot with two goals for the Golden Knights. But now this this uh going back before the break, they've they've lost three of four. Um I voiced a little bit of concern, Chris, uh, that after that seven-game win streak against really, you know, lower-tier competition that the next set of games was going to let me know what I think of this team. And and so far they're not passing my test as being the upper echelon of teams. Um, I think people might have been jumping the gun a little bit uh, during that winning streak, but they've, you know, they've come back against different competition and haven't been able to get the job done, Chris.
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of tricky, right? For not just for them, but for everybody. You know, I mean, it's great for the players to rest up off the off the All-Star break leading into it and afterwards, but um coming right out of coming out of the break is going to be a tricky situation for teams. Uh it was the same for Carolina, so I, I totally get that. And Carolina's a pretty good team. I mean, uh yeah. so not an easy not, e- not an easy first game, uh obviously a disappointing outcome. Big game tonight in Florida. I know it's back to back, but I think uh, Florida played last night as well, and then um, and then they got Tampa early next week. So, you know, ideally like to get two points tonight because don't want to go into Tampa down uh, on this road trip starting out 0-2, and instead of hopefully having a, a real strong road trip that we were predicting on last week or hoping for last week wind up uh looking at an ugly road trip so uh yeah i think you know they're for, they're fortunate we talked about it before they're in because it, the rest of the division isn't great I, they have they have a bit of a cushion but in terms of big picture uh in, of winning the, the division like last year
1: uh each state goes by it's looking less and less likely yeah i agree and and I mean, the the Golden Knights played a, a a good game, but Carolina just competes so hard every every time they play the game. Uh, you know, win or lose, those guys that's a scrappy group of players. Um, they were outshot thirty-two to twenty-five. They held the edge in the face-off sixty to forty. Um, most of the stats, hits, blocks, giveaways, and takeaways go to the Knights. They were just and I, really morassic. Made quite a few point blank saves on really good great A opportunities. Um, Riley Smith on on a tip. Uh, Stastny and Patsy Reddy both had good chances. Uh, Alex Tuck had a lot of good chances in the game. So they I mean the night, the Knights were in the game. They weren't. the The five two score it was a two hundred foot empty netter. Justin Falk scored to end the game. But um, they had tied the game uh, in the second period, but gave up that third goal to Carolina. Uh, 1823 of the second, so they went into the intermission down three two, and then Aho really put it four to two early in the third, and the Knights were chasing it the rest of the way. Um, I think tonight, I'm not sure. After the the Florida Pittsburgh somewhat junior blockbuster that went down yesterday, um, I'm assuming that that the Panthers are going to have Sheehan and Broussard in the lineup tonight um, and the I'm trying to look it up right now. Sorry about that. I'm assuming they're going to have a full complement of players. So we'll see if the Knights can bounce back. Here's an interesting tidbit. The Knights, the only time the Knights have ever lost four games in a row was in the Stanley cup final. And they are now, they are now on a three game losing streak. So in order to keep, keep that sort of oddball stat alive. um, They need to get a win tonight or, or the the no four game winning losing streak in the regular season is going to go by the boards. I think it'll be a good test. I think, you know, Florida's got a lot of talent. They always have. We kind of wonder what it's going to take for that group to put it all together and compete for the playoff spot that their talent says they should be competitive for. Um, so I think it'll be a good test for the Knights. I think they need to get this win. Like you said, Tampa's coming up later in the week. Their lap, their longest road trip left on the season is right now. So if they can get to Florida and get, uh, two points in Detroit after Tampa, um, 500 road trip and come home for a, a long stretch at home, they'll have eight out of their next nine will be in T-Mobile. So you look for them to hopefully 500 on this road trip, go home and, and right the ship. And then we'll, we'll take the rest of the season as it bears out, sir. Yeah, that
0: makes, that makes sense. So what's interesting to me too, is with, uh, we'll get into the Jake Muzzin trade when Lyle comes on, but you know, what's the impact from that, from a Vegas standpoint, from, you know, some of these, not all trades the same and not every player's situation is the same. Cause so for instance, Jake Muzzin is signed through next year. So he's not a, he's not a rental. As an example, right. uh, in terms of the rest of just this year, but you know uh, the market is going to start setting prices, and if you're George McPhee and say, hmm, uh, I would love to add a Jake Muzzin type player, be it forward or defenseman, that level player, um, but uh, you know, am I do I have the appetite uh, to pay what the Toronto Maple Leafs just paid? So that's something to be interesting to uh, talk to Lyle about terms of the nights and, um, you know, the cost of doing business and where, where they, where they fall, uh, regarding that.
1: Well, what do you, uh, what do you make of the, the Pittsburgh Florida trade that they bring in Pittsburgh brings in, uh, two former first round picks and it costs them two roster players, uh, a first and two fourths to make that trade. What is, what do you think that does to the market?
0: Uh, I, it sounds like Broussard is is going to be uh, flipped in the, in the short term, and it seems really? to me that Florida Florida's plan is to they want Duke said who isn't having a great year, but I think is a good player. Um, they wanted to clear out his cap space number and uh, moving forward, uh, maybe you know looking at towards the off season and collect some mm-hmm. draft picks in the process. So this was kind of step one to that, and I think Broussard will be. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Riley Sheehan, if he'll stay or if he'll go. But you know, who knows? Maybe they'll move both of them and pick up a bunch of draft picks, clear clear out about four point four million dollars in cap space, and maybe try to be you know beat players uh, uh, come the off season. If it's uh, if it's a Panarin or if it's a Brabovsky or.
1: Yeah, well, they—they they, I think they cleared what almost six with uh, Bukestad and McCann leaving. So if if they do flip Broussard, and I, and I like Riley Sheen, I, I like him as a player. Um, if it, you know you you lose those two also, and you 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 said what close to ten million in cap space out of out of if you could move those two also, um, they got to be in the market their owner tweeted out that he was going to be a, an aggressive off season based on this trade. So um, we'll see what that does for, for Florida going forward. It is going to be, you know, and I don't know how Muzzin trade impacts anything. The golden Knights would do. I think the market for players around this time of year is what somebody's willing to pay for them. You know what I mean? If somebody right, yeah. wants Muzzin for a first round pick and, and two, I from what I gather, uh, I was unsure at first, but you know, pretty well thought of prospects. Then that's what the market says. If if you know the Knights are going to target a player, it's gonna the, the market kind of sets itself with what someone's willing to pay. And you know, I don't think George McPhee is going to be too aggressive right now. I I think he wants to keep those. He's got three second rounders this year, or three third rounders. He's got three third rounders. I mean, you could package one of those maybe in, right. in a in a in a deal if you're getting another, maybe a fifth back with whatever player. But I don't think he's going to want to throw too many of those picks away. He's already been pretty liberal with them in some of his other yep. deals, <laughs> and I, I think there's still an organizational depth um, issue uh, long term. Or you need to finish stocking up the the AHL with your players. So I don't know. I don't know how that affects what he'll do. I don't think he'll he'll bow to that myself.
0: Yeah, I think he'll be. I think he'll be smart and and like I said, every you know, um, a good friend, Russ Cohen. I saw him uh, on the um, the Hockey Buzz uh, web, daily web show or weekly uh, daily web show. Uh, right. league, and he felt that the Kings did did well in this deal. He thought that it wasn't a cheap price. But, you know, so if you were another uh, fellow GM and you're talking to George McFadden and saying, hey, well, look, this is the cost of doing business. Look at the Musin trade. I would say, yeah, but well, wait, hold on a second.
2: Musin has
0: a terrific cap number, and the player you're trading me, you know, has an okay cap number. You know, so, you, you know, if you're going to try to compare apples to apples, they, they better be apples to apples, not apple oranges. Yeah. So, like I said, everything is very has its uniqueness to it, you know. So, um, um, so, uh, but you know, having said that, you know, everyone wants to get the best deal that they can, and you know, it will be very competitive uh, market um, because there's a lot of teams who think they can have
2: uh,
0: a special spring early summer.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, pretty much five teams in the West, right? And yeah, I, I think, would say so. I think, yeah, I think there's a, a, a greater depth of teams that can go on a run in the East this year than um, than in the West. I think almost anybody that gets in in the East has a legitimate argument right now, except maybe the two wild card teams. But the top six, I mean, you could obviously Tampa's going to go in as a favorite. Uh, Toronto has it. Boston. The, the New York Islanders, and then Pittsburgh and Washington, all three of those teams could make an argument that they have what it takes to make a deep run. So I, I think the East is a little bit more wide open than the West. I think the West is kind of shaking out with enough separation. Um, Nashville, Winnipeg, Calgary, the Sharks, and, and Vegas. And then in the Central, you're you're looking down at the Dallases and the Minnesotas. Uh, quite Quite a quite a bit. I don't think any of them is gonna get back into it for the division. Um that's Winnipeg and Nashville seem to be running away with that. And and I mean same goes in, in the Pacific where UGK, excuse me, ten points clear of Vancouver for that third spot and nineteen points clear of Vancouver is Calgary sitting atop the division. So I think I I, I think the East this year is a little bit more wide open sir
0: and i think we're destined for a sharks night's first round series
1: yeah and, and that'll be exciting well let's turn the page now to the new york islanders we have andrew gross from the new york newsday joining us on the vegas hockey podcast andrew thanks for joining us on the show today sir oh
3: my pleasure thanks for having me guys as everything
1: Oh, every everything's good. I'm out here in Vegas, so I don't I didn't get any of that Arctic blast this week. I know you guys are, are starting to, to turn the page on it, um, so I, I hope you and yours have been safe throughout the week.
2: Yeah,
3: no, I appreciate it. It's you know it's winter, so it's going to get cold at some point. You know. There you go. <laughs> this is a little. I mean, we're 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 not in Chicago, so that that's
2: good.
1: Uh, all right, all right. Well, I want to start off going back into the into camp this year. And, you know, with the coaching change and the virus situation, um, was there anything that you noticed in camp early on that this team had the chance to overachieve from what most people thought they could do? I'm a big culture guy. Anyone who listens to the show knows that I, that bringing in Stanley Cups and bringing in that, that experience, I think, does, you know, nothing but good for the team, and it can... It can create a situation where, when you get 100% buy-in and you have that that championship pedigree at, at the helm, if you will, that that it creates that 100% buy-in and a team can become greater than its parts. And the Vegas Golden Knights are a great example of that. Um, early on in camp last year, you could tell this was going to be a special group from the you know here locally um probably went farther than most people thought of course but there's that there's that bond that gets created when you do have that buy-in did you notice that early in camp or is that something that's been growing throughout the year
3: no i think you, you started noticing it even before camp really when uh lou lamarillo took over you just you know there was a change in the tenor of the organization you know when you talk to people uh you know, Lou, Lou keeps people on their toes. There was sure. almost an, almost an instant accountability, you know, from, from the top guy all the way, you know, to, 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 the bottom, right through the organization. Uh, and Lou Lou set about instilling that pretty quickly. And then of course he hires Barry. And I, I think it's interesting that you, you mentioned, you know, the Vegas golden Knights because, that's sort of the reference point that, that Barry has talked a lot about this season. You know, it basically look at what they did last year. Why not anybody else? And, uh, you know, Barry came in and, you know, he said, you know, fixing the, def- the, the defense, which obviously was his number one priority after the Islanders give up the most goals uh, in the league since 2007, you know, he, he thought it would be an easy fix. And I, I guess, my only surprise was exactly how spot on he was with that. You know, I I I thought he would improve the best. I I wouldn't have given you that the Islanders with essentially the same six defensemen now Thomas Hickey's hurt and uh, you know rookie Devontae's is uh, is playing. You know, but basically the same six. I, I wouldn't have given you that they were going to be you know uh, uh, allowed the fewest goals in the NHL. Uh, uh, you know, through this point that that. That's a little bit of a surprise. But, yeah, you, you, you could see the culture change right through the summer. And certainly in, in camp, the way Barry ran it and his assistants and the drills they were doing and how defensively focused they were, you, you could sense that there, was, that there was a real direction finally for this organization.
1: And that kind of goes into what was said, and and uh, Chris Chris can jump in and tell me which player had the comment at the All Star game. One of the players was asked, um, "What's different about this year's team?" And his response was, "Everybody's treated equally." And and I don't know if that was meant as a jab at the former or more of a a (laughs) positive statement as as to the way the guys feel about about the trots administration but that's kind of telling if, if someone's going to come out in the media hockey players notoriously closed-lipped about stuff like that but for for someone to come out and just straight up say oh everybody's treated the same now and um, that's that's kind of a byproduct of that culture change that, that trots has been able to implement correct
3: yeah no absolutely you know it goes I mean, it goes right through the lineup, you know, where, you know, Trotz has created a system where he's rolling four lines and he trusts any one of his, you know, forward lines on the ice at any moment. He's not really matching up against opponents and almost the same, you know, the same for his defensive pairs. You know, he just, he's instilled the trust throughout the lineup and he's got, you know, all 18 skaters in a a game, you know, working on the same page. Um, You know, I, 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 I don't, uh, as far as that comment, and, and you know, just, sorry about that. They just tested the horn here at the Coliseum, but, uh, <laughs> <Nice>. you know. Clip <laughs> that sound uh, it, effect. It, it, it's, yeah, it's not the cannon in Columbus, at least. but uh, uh, Right. You know, and, and, and Lightning coach John Cooper made sort of the same observation yesterday, uh, Friday you know, uh, when, when the Lightning came in here, asked about the Islanders, he said, well, he knows one thing, with Anders Lee as the captain and Barry Trotz as the coach, he, you know, there are no egos on this team. And, you know, some may have seen that as a dig. And I, I don't right. think either of those comments were, were meant to be digs at John Tavares, but, but the truth is that John Tavares was, the face of this organization. And I think it's more on, you know, previous management and and the ownership, just how much, you know, how much say John Tavares was allowed to have in, in organizational decisions. And I I don't, John Tavares didn't go looking for that, but they went to him, you know, and said, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, you know, after a while, it, it, it sort of does become, you know well this guy is on this rung and then there's everyone else and and it, it had right. nothing to do with what John Tavares was looking to do it's the way the organization and management treated treated JT and and this year under Lou Lamarillo and, and Barry Trotz there, there isn't that and you know and, and Anders Lee is the captain and You know, he he commands respect in the league, but, you know, I I don't think uh, he commands respect in the room, certainly, but I don't think Lou Lamarillo is running to him, you know, to to check every little decision made by the organization.
1: I would agree with that 100%. Now, let me get one more in before I pass you off to Chris. Now, Chris, Lisa, he covers the Islanders for Ion Isles FS, and he's a lot more tuned into the Islanders than I am out here on the West Coast. But being, the, being that the uptick in play, like you said, worst goals allowed, best goals allowed, the the focus on structure and and team uh, as as a stress point from the coaching staff and Lamarillo on down. Is this, a, is this level of play sustainable for the Knights? Or not for the Knights, for the Islanders, of course. Um, and, and is this a team that can make a run in the playoffs uh, the way they're currently constructed?
3: Yeah. No, I, I, I think so because, you know, they stick to that structure. They're going to be in, you know, more games than not, you know, and 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 it's not like, this is a crew that has no talent, and that's kind of how you know it comes off when we talk like this. I right. mean, there is there is there is some real talent on this team. Sure. I mean, Matthew Barzell, you saw. I mean, you know, Sidney Crosby calling him the best three-on-three player in the league. I mean, that's yeah. that's not faint praise, you know, and. And Anthony Beauvillier's game has been up and down, but, you know, the speed he brings is elite speed. And, you know, and you go back to Andres Lee and, you know, I, I mentioned the rookie, uh, Tays, um, and, and certainly, you know, both goalies, Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice, you know, you don't think of them, you know, maybe amongst the best goalies in the league. But the way they're playing, that's that's how they're playing. I mean, Grice are, you know, 41 saves, shuts out, The lightning last night, you know, and the lightning had never been uh, the lightning have the most goals in the league. Uh, They got Nikita Kucherov, and uh, they hadn't been shut out in the season. And Brycer, you know, I mean, uh, I can get on my soapbox and tell you how silly I think a a game, you know, that special and that good is to be decided by a shootout. I mean, uh, uh, Uh that's crap. (laughs) But
1: we touched on that earlier. I, I'm fine with you know, a tie but, in the league, you know. Personally. Oh my God! I love five ties. minutes if I, it's not think, decided. Give them, give them a point each and rock and roll. Let it go.
3: You know what ties to me were a part of the fabric of the NHL. I, and I, and I, I, I think the league lost something when when they did away with them because, in, in a way, I, I feel like the league kind of dumbed it down. You know, they they felt like you know they they were panicking that fans would go away if you couldn't get a winner you know and no nope. uh, i guess maybe there's something to be said for that because i know shootouts are popular or or at least they were when they started with a with a large portion of the fan base but uh, i think there are some true blood hockey fans out there who kind of see it for what it is
1: yeah i agree well let me pass you off to chris i know he wants to jump into the conversation chris
3: Hey Andrew,
0: great to talk to you. So I got two questions for you. So let's start with the current roster. Where do things stand uh, regarding Lou, who obviously is very tight-lipped? But in terms of you know the analysts have four prominent unrestricted free agents at the end of the year, although no one seems to be panicking about it, which is a lot different from this time last year, right? In terms of Anders <laughs> Lee, in terms of Anders Lee, Brock Nelson. Robin Leonard and Jordan Eberle. I mean, me personally, I, I, I would be pretty close to being shocked if Lee doesn't get done. Uh, and I feel like Eberle, they probably want to upgrade on him and maybe get a little bit younger. Nelson and Leonard, I don't have a great deal of uh, uh, what their plans for them are long-term. But how
3: do you, where do you stand in terms of those four players and the long-term yeah, no, future I, I think you're pretty spot on with where you are with Anders Lee. I mean, every indication is, you know, I mean, Anders, you know, I know every free agent and John Tavares said he wanted to be here too. But, uh, you know, every indication from from Anders' side is that, you know, that that this is home for him and this, you know, this is something special. And I, I think when the Islanders handed him the captaincy, there was that, you know, kind of anticipation that they wouldn't have done that. If he didn't figure into their long-term plans. Now, I mean, he's certainly not going to come cheaply. You know, I think you're you're starting around six million a year for him, if not more. But you know, I I agree. I think he gets done. Um, I, I can tell you, you know, Brock Nelson was, you know, he's been a little bit up and down lately, not as consistent as he was earlier this season. But but Barry. Trotz identified him, you know, quickly in training camp as the guy who he wanted on what you would call the Islanders' top line uh, with Anders Lee and Jordan Everly. And it's kind of weird that the whole top line are impending UFAs. That's kind of a, you know, somewhat of a unique situation. But, you know what, I mean, Brock Nelson has pretty much been, you know, kind of a, more of a bottom six. You know, even though where he was drafted, the the hope or the anticipation was he would wind up being more of a top stick type of center, and and Barry Trotz has given him that role this year, and for the most part, he's filled that well. I think the organization likes Brock Nelson. Um, you know, I, I could see him, you know, you know, maybe getting a three four year deal offer from the Islanders here, probably at around, you know, what he's making right now, which is, you know, was it 4.25, you know, so maybe he goes up to 4.5, 4.75 over the length of that deal. Um, And then it's just up to him, you know, uh, whether, you know, that's acceptable or he wants to test free agency. But, you know, I I, I would be shocked if they traded Nelson, you know, by February 25th, deal or not. Um, and, And the same goes for Lee. Uh, Jordan Everly, it, it wouldn't shock me to see them hold on to him and then let him walk at the end of the year. Because uh, you know, I I, I I sort of agree that they they might look, you know, elsewhere for 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 that scoring wing option. But you know, uh, or or they could trade him depending on uh, you know what lose uh, Lou is going to upgrade. I will say that. Um, in terms of if he trades Everly, it's because he he believes he's improving his team. He's not going to I don't think trade Everly for like future assets at this point because I think Lou is looking at a team that you know is is headed towards the playoffs and and when that's been the case in Lou's past, Lou has been aggressive in trying to improve the team for that playoff run. Not you know, kind of give away assets um, and maybe weaken the team going into the playoffs. And in, in terms of Leonard, you know, he comes here, obviously his his personal demons have been well-documented this season, comes here on a make-good one-year, $1. 1.5 million deal. To this point, he has certainly made good. Um, I know, you know, he he's kind of found a home here. And coming off, you know, battling addiction and, you know, the mental health issues, I I think it's very important for Robin to be in a safe, comfortable spot, and that's how he feels here with the Islanders. Um, So I I sort of expect both sides there to work out a deal, whether, you know, it's here during the season or after the season. But I I certainly think that, you know, there's there's a three- to four-year deal to be made there.
1: Well all right, Mr. Gross. Andrew um, what, our what, next what, guest what, is on what? the line, Chris.
0: Uh just give me one one last real question quick. for Andrew here.
1: Uh so
0: Andrew, real quick, how aggressive do you think Lou will be at the deadline and uh you think his number one priority is to add a little uh little scoring?
3: Uh yeah, I, I think Lou is always aggressive. You know, I mean that that's been his the way he's operated going back to, you know, 87 with the Devils. He's an aggressive general manager and president. Um, I do think they want to bolster the scoring a little bit. And I think, you know, I mean, if Lou gets a chance to bring in a top four defenseman, he would do it. Um, But those come at a high price. So, you know, I I don't know whether that kind of deal would be doable. I I think it's, it's more likely he'd be able to bring in some forward help.
1: All right, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Everybody can follow him at A Gross Newsday. Uh, He's the B writer for the Islanders for the New York Newsday. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, Hopefully, we'll talk to you down the road closer to the playoffs. If the Islanders look like they're going to get in and make a run, we'd love to have you back on the show, sir.
3: That sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me. You have a good one.
1: All right, you you too now. All right, we're going to run right into our our next guest. Lyle Richardson has been on the show a few times already. Is back in. We're getting closer to the trade deadline, um, and it's time to bring Spectre's hockey perspective back into the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Lyle, thanks a lot for coming back in, buddy.
4: Always a pleasure, guys. How's things today?
1: Things are good. Things are good. Um, I wanted I wanted to jump in and look back at the week. We had a couple a couple good trades. Toronto picks up Muzzin, and then. Yesterday, uh, the Florida Pittsburgh trade. Let, let me get your thoughts on both of those trades before we start looking forward at some of the buying and selling that's about to start happening.
4: Sure. Well, I mean, we'll start off with the uh, the Leafs deal for Muzzin. Um, you know, I I think it, I think he's he's a very good addition to uh, to Toronto's blue line. I mean, yeah, excuse me. I mean, he's got considerable experience, of course. Uh, he's having a. I think uh, by most accounts, he's having a career year. Um, he's one of the few bright spots on an otherwise miserable season for the LA Kings this year. Um, and, and with his experience, as I said, I mean, he won a Stanley Cup with them in 2014, so uh, he's a good addition there. The only concern that I have, though, is that they didn't really address their need uh, for a, a top four right side, right shot defenseman. Muzzin plays solely on the left hand side, and he's a left hand shot. Um, now it looks like they're they they've decided to address this by moving Morgan Riley uh over to the right side. Um we'll see how that mm. goes uh, over yeah. the next 2 to 3 weeks. That's what they did last night when they were playing against the Wings and left Muzzin on the uh you know paired up with him on the left side. Um, right. you know we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh but you know Riley's having
1: a great year. I don't I don't oh. like to see I don't like to see too much moving around on a player like that who's who's really having a phenomenal season himself.
4: Oh, absolutely. And as I said, right now I think that, that this making the trade when they did gives them uh, not only a bit of time to, to allow Muzzin to uh, you know to get used to uh, to his new team, but also gives management a chance to assess the defense. And see if they still need to go out and get another right side guy. If they do, I don't think it'll be somebody uh, you know comparable to Muzzin, because I really don't think there's anybody available that's affordable for them to get. I mean, there are guys who could be uh, available, somebody like a Dougie Hamilton or a Justin Falker or Brett Pesci, just three from you know from the Hurricanes <laughs> right off the top. But the asking price for those guys uh, is will will be a roster player. And that's something I don't think the Leafs want to give up. They got Muzzin without having to give up anybody off the roster. So maybe they look more for a depth guy on the right side. Maybe somebody like uh, the Flyers' uh, Radko Gudis. Maybe somebody like uh, the Rangers' Adam McQuay, perhaps. You know, somebody in there who could who could be a depth guy on the right side. Uh, we'll see how that works right. out for them.
1: The one thing um, I like about that pairing, yeah. um, Muzzin, Muzzin's led the league in Corsi for, I think, two two. Two years out of the last four. So then, they, you know, if Riley can get comfortable over there, it, it mm-hmm. you know, that might be a pretty dynamic pairing from that perspective. Um, what do you oh, think sure. of that deal and, from and LA? After
4: that. Yeah, and I mean, if that does work out, well, then they don't need to go look for another right side guy. They can then turn around and put their focus on bringing in what they call, you know, we hear a lot of talk lately, you know, about that the Leafs need a heavy forward, i.e., a power forward. (laughs) I love this new phrase now. They're heavy forwards or they play heavy hockey. In other words, you want a physical. A physical guy who's a good net presence and can kind of play smash mouth when you need him to. Uh, In which case, you know, maybe somebody they go after, maybe somebody like Wayne Simmons or Michael Ferlin. We'll see, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think the Leafs are done, but that was that was a good move on their part, uh, you know, to at least do something to to address their defense. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, and and the deal yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, Jim Rutherford's been the busiest GM in the league this year in the trade market uh you know he he he's he's kind of showing you know folks that you know what yeah you can have a salary cap and limited cap space but you can still make like player for player hockey trades you know in season he's done it several times already and yeah. um yeah that that deal with the uh, the Panthers um works so well for both sides i think both sides get what they want uh penguins wanted to bring in uh they want to get a little younger uh, guys who can be a little more you know a little more size um you know uh, as well as guys who are signed beyond this season um the uh, the uh, the Panthers meanwhile they get two guys on on expiring contracts if they don't work out they can either flip them at the trade deadline or just let them walk by a free agency but they're clearing cap space to be big time buyers this summer either via trades or more likely Via free agency, and of course the talk yeah. is that yeah they're looking at uh, Sergey Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin in Columbus. So yeah, that that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out, whether they get those guys or not. But they're definitely going to be players this summer.
1: Well, that's interesting. We were talking earlier in the show. Now now if they turn around and, and deal Broussard and Sheehan, um, they could they could get you know they got the two fourths. From mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, and and they could really end up with a lot of picks in this year's draft and a lot of cap space to where oh, if, yeah. if let's say the, let's say Panarin goes and, and Bobrovsky doesn't or vice versa, the, Florida looks to be a pretty big player here in the off season, like you said, with if they can get the assets out of out of those two other players as well, um, Florida's set up, and I and I think it's about time they've, they they I think they've run their course with what they have. I think they're a very talented team. Me and Chris have talked about Florida quite a bit. And I think there's just an it factor with that roster that's, that's missing. And if, if they're going to shake it up, I think it's time for that to happen in Florida and, and bringing in a Bobrovsky that could be Luongo's replacement and bringing in Panarin for just one more piece of, of dynamic offensory, if you will, let me create a word there. Um, <laughs> Florida, Florida could be uh, pretty interesting to watch, not just at the deadline, but in the off season as well.
4: Well, yeah, because there, there's, uh, there's some impatience there now, uh, and understandably, because they came so close last season, and they've got a lot of good young players. I mean, my gosh.
1: Absolutely.
4: You know, I mean, Barkoff why this guy was not um you know has has barely gotten mentioned as a as a selkie nominee uh it just boggles my mind i mean, this you know if if he if he was playing in in a much more and i don't want to say traditional hockey market cuz i think that's a becoming a ridiculous statement but in it let's right. say a, a a you know Let's a say larger a larger like metropolitan or New area, York, you know, or, or Edmonton. I mean, good God! I mean, you know, that's all we'd hear about would be Barkov, 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 because he's just fantastic. That but good. Yeah. They yeah. But just they're just missing out down there. So you're right, yeah. It, you know, they've they've gone the stayed the patient route for a while, built up with their younger players, but now, yeah, they're they're going to go out and they're going to get themselves the pieces they need to put themselves into the playoffs going forward.
1: Uh, and, and I agree, I think it's time that I think they should. Well, let me bring in Chris, and, and we'll get a look at maybe what's to come. Um, Chris?
0: Hey, uh, Lyle, it's great to talk to you, as always. So let's start with the Kings. Obviously, they kind of uh, show their hand where they're thinking they're they're headed. Uh, it seems like they got pretty good value, um, time will tell, but it seems like to me that they got good value given the given. Uh, I'd be curious to you, your thought on that, and also, who's next? Who's going next in terms of the king?
4: Well, I can't disagree with your assessment of, uh, about what they got from us. I mean, come on, yeah, yeah. I mean, they got a first-round pick and two and two good prospects. Um, you know, one of them at least is going to, be, you know, Gunstrom is going to be, I think, an NHL player starting next year. Um, you know, so I, 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 don't think that they could have gotten any, you know, much better than what they did uh, from the lease in that in that deal. Um, you know, looking at who who could be next. Um, well, I I think it's pretty obvious right off the bat. Yeah, they're in sell mode here, but they're not going to be able to sell, you know, a a lot of guys with heavy contracts. So we don't can't expect a guy, don't expect a guy like Dustin Brown to get moved. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced they're going to trade Jonathan Quick. They could surprise us and do that. Uh, we've heard his name floated around quite a bit in the, in the rumor mill, but I I really don't think that he's going to be going anywhere for the time being. Um, Jeff Carter's name's been floated around too, but you know that that really needs his blessing. I know he ha- he doesn't have uh, no tr- he has he lacks a no trade clause, um, so they could send him anywhere they wanted to, but you know the 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 word kind of is is that if if he doesn't want to go or if he's not happy with where he could be sent that he would just say okay I'm done and just retire so uh that's something that the kings don't want cuz then you know they'll they'll be on the hook for part of his uh, salary cap recapture penalty so um I don't think Carter's going to be going anywhere unless he blesses it um the two guys that uh, kind of got mentioned um Alec Martinez and and Tyler Toffoli those guys have popped up uh as well um, having moved Muzzin, I, I don't know if, if they'll move Martinez. I'm not saying that, that they wouldn't, if somebody came calling with a good offer, but now that they've moved out Muzzin, I I don't think they want to deplete that, that blue line too much. So, uh, he, you know, he could move, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they hang on to him a little longer. And, uh, with Tyler Toffoli, I mean, on the one hand, I think he's probably now, now that Muzzin's gone, I think he's their best trade chip. But, you know, if, if you're looking at rebuilding with younger players, I still think he has a role there. You know what I mean? I mean, he's 26 years old. Yeah, his, his stats are down this season, but, listen, the stats are down for most of the Kings this year. Uh, he's still a, a very good two-way player. He can play center. He can also play on the wing. Um, Again, that would be one where I think the offer would have to be to be really good uh, for them, to, you know, to part with them. Uh, let's let's say if they were to get offered, let's say uh, a you know a, a, a draft pick, a first round pick that could potentially uh, jump into the top ten, you know, along with maybe a top prospect, maybe they might consider that consider that move. But um, yeah, it, it's like I said, it's going to be interesting to see. Out of those three out of those three guys, but especially Martinez and Toffoli if 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 either of those guys go by the deadline and let's jump over to columbus. we've talked me and Mark have debated Columbus the
0: last couple of months. Yeah. uh Mark feels like if you can't sign these people, they must uh, Panera and Provosky, they must be traded.
1: Must I, said be traded. Him,
0: uh, <laughs> I, I said to him uh i i said to you know what I feel like columbus uh the the ownership, the front office. They're kind of damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. And they're in an impossible situation. Um, for me, especially Pernarin, uh, if they don't get a special offer, for them to even think about moving him, it has to be a mm-hmm. special offer, which is tricky because he's a rental. How do you see this playing out in Columbus?
4: Well, I mean, I've been pretty adamant that, you know, as long as, as the Blue Jackets remain in playoff contention or still holding on to a playoff berth, that they they wouldn't move either guy. And I know there's been a lot of a lot of speculation and a lot of uh, talk that they maybe that you know that they're considering their options now. That uh, I mean, Bobrovsky's just still having a, a horrible year. And that, uh, you know, Panarin, he's, he's still reluctant to resign. I mean, he's been really kind of stringing them along. And I can understand the frustration that they're they're probably feeling right now. But by the same token, I mean, uh, Bobrovsky, I mean, he still has more experience as a starter than Corpusalo has. They're, that, you know, their backup that they've been playing a lot more now lately. Uh, but I, I still think they would, if they're going to make a run in the playoffs, that they're, they're still going to want to have Bobrovsky there, and Panarin's their best forward. He's their leading scorer. He's their best player. And if you if you trade him, you're basically pretty much sabotaging your 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 playoff hopes. Unless you can get back something that's uh, going to kind of offset his his departure. Though you're never going to get equal value. Let's be honest. That's just not going to happen. Um, so I mean, yeah, they're they're gonna take a a close look, and I know that there's been there's been talk that there there's been calls about Panarin. I haven't heard very much about Bobrovsky. Just again, because this guy has no movement clause. Nobody knows for sure if he's offered up a, a list of destinations or not, if he's put it to paper, or if he's just verbally said it. So we just kind of shunt him to the side. I think that you know the uh, the situation with Panarin. Is, is the one that, that bears more scrutiny here. And, yeah, teams, teams are calling. But the Jackets aren't going to just give Panarin away or just trade him just because, well, we're going to lose him for nothing anyway. We might as well get something back. Well, no, no. Um, if, if you're not going to get at least a promising young player who can give you some help now and down the road, what's the point? You know, why yeah. trade, you know, why, yeah, why trade one of the best offensive players in the league for, well, we'll give you a first and a second and a prospect. Well, no. <laughs> Sorry, what, no. Um... Better off keeping him as an own rental and push on for the playoffs. Now, that being said, they've been struggling a little bit in the last week and a half. And, of course, we saw vintage Tortorella earlier in the week. He hasn't been very pleased with their performance.
2: <laughs> if they
4: should, if they, oh, torts is only torts can torts.
2: Love it.
4: Yeah. But, um, well, here's, know, here's my they, thing
1: on Panarin. If, yeah. if someone comes along and, and it's kind of the same as, as the Evander Kane situation last year, where he's one of the, one of the deeper offensive players in the league. And if that kind of a package that the Sharks gave up to bring in Evander Kane, hopeful that they would be able to re-sign him. And fortunately for them, they did. If, if that kind of a deal goes to Keck and I think he has to take it. I, 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 those are two players. they're too valuable of an asset to hang onto the roster and lose for nothing. If you're in a fringe wild card position, I don't believe mm-hmm. in in Columbus to the point um, of making a deep run with those two players. But if you can get you know uh, first round picks, good a plus prospects, maybe a roster player from one of the two, and mm-hmm. set yourself up for the next two years to grow into that team that can take on the Washingtons and the Pittsburghs and, and the Torontos and the Tampa Bays, I don't think Columbus is in that level. I think yeah. that you can sell that kind of a trade to your fans and say, we're going to be at that level in the next two years with what we've done here. And to yeah, go in as a know, wild card,
4: with that.
1: you know what I'm saying? to go in as a wild card yeah. and, and let's say you end up playing Toronto or, um, Tampa in the first round And you're out in five I mean last year was their best chance They're up 2 nothing to Washington and going home And we saw what happened They lose four straight So the, 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 there's something that I mean Islanders fans know real well And, and you know I, I understand wanting to make a run If you have a core that can do it but to hang on yep. to those assets, they could really set you up in the next two to five years to be a, a top fly team in, in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think you got to make those kind of moves. If an Evander Kane or a Ryan O'Reilly type deal comes forward, um, they got to pull the trigger.
4: Yeah. Well, well I again, you. it's going to it's going to depend on where they are in the standings. If if they turn around here in the next you know over the next two weeks and they you know, turn around and win five games or something like that in a row. Well, then, you know, and they, they shoot up the, toward the, you know, in, in, in the, the metropolitan standings. Well, then I think that changes the, the situation big time. I think then you turn around and you go, they're going to go, okay, we still think we have a shot. And, and uh, I believe it was, uh, I think it was Pierre Lebrun at TSN made this point too uh, earlier in the week. He said, remember last year they were kind of in the same situation. They were in the same situation with Jack Johnson and they were fielding offers, trade offers for him, and they wanted a first-round pick, didn't get that offer, so they hung on to him. And they lost him for nothing to free agency, but they held on to him because they figured they could use him in the playoffs. So I, I, now, obviously, Panarin and you know, Bobrovsky are better players and could fetch better value. But again, it's going to depend on where are they in the standings and do they think. They can make a run this year. do they think they're good enough? Because, as you said, if if they don't think they are, then fine. You know get the best offer you can for these guys. as you said, the, the fans aren't dumb. You can sell that to them. You know The only yeah. thing I would say you know, and, and you can turn around and say hindsight is 2020, 20, but you know if, if, I, I think this is a, a bitter lesson here too, if you're going to trade for one of the one, you know a, a premier scorer, make sure he 's got more than two years on his contract.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Cuz uh, oh Duchesne, boy. Oh boy. is that
2: a nice oh.
1: is that a nice Ouch. segue here into Ottawa Senators. Um mm-hmm. so the the, the, the the what they gave up in the Matthew Shane deal um is going to yep. bite them in the ass. In and I said at the time that the, if they don't re-sign him, this is going to kill that organization for 5 years. Um and now they got Stone up at the same time and also Zing to, to Zingle. Um, and and C-theer are getting ready to you know come on expiring contracts. My guess is they're going to get the best they can for Duchesne. they're going to do their darnest to resign Stone and then maybe the other two uh move them. Um what's your take on Ottawa? They're kind of a, in a bind. Uh,
4: well, uh we find ourselves in an agreement. Um you know, <laughs> I've been saying, you know, for for quite a while that uh you know, smart, you know, Stone wants to stay in Ottawa. He's made that very clear. He has, yeah. you know, right from when, right from the day he signed that one-year contract last summer, he, you know, when, you know, Senators fans started freaking out, like, he was very quick to sit down and say, whoa, 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 everybody, you know, hey, you know, this is just for now, you know, I still want to stay. We have time. We'll start talking about this again, but I, I, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay. And they really want to keep him. So, you know, I, I think the odds are, are, are good uh, for, for Mark Stone to stay in Ottawa, um, less so uh, for Duchesne, because Duchesne, I, I know he's been very diplomatic about it all. He hasn't tipped his hand really one way or another, but by not really, you, know, you compare his comments to what Stone has been saying, and, it, and, and I think it's very clear. <laughs> you know who yeah, really wants to stay, and who's going. Well, if you pay me enough, I will. You know, so you know, I'm not saying Stone's going to take a discount here. He's going to get paid, and I think they will pay to keep him. But Duchene, uh, the word is, uh, rumors out of Ottawa is is that if if uh, Eugene Melnick won't come up over eight mil a season, Duchene isn't staying in Ottawa. And out of those two main guys, I think Stone stays and I think Duchesne will be shopped starting by February 15th. Because they're going to need to know by the middle of this month what these guys are going to do. So I I think by February 15th, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, or we hear that Stone's going to be close to being re-signed and Duchesne's on the block. If they keep those two, then I think Zingle is gone for sure. If one of them or both of those guys go, then they're definitely resigning Zingle. Um, and as far <laughs> as Cody Czish goes, I would have, I, you know, I would have disagreed about the possibility of them trading him. Yeah, I know that his, uh, you know, his contract situation was, uh, you know, a bit contentious last year, um, but uh, I, I really didn't think they they had the depth to, to risk parting with him. But you know that was before you know you saw um these these good young defensemen that 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 that's come up you know um and I'm speaking of course uh, predominantly about uh, you know Chabot,
2: who yeah, was, for sure.
4: uh, you know yeah got who's been sidelined, but I mean still, good lord, um you know just uh, thirty nine points of forty three games. You know, I mean, I mean, he's not going to make you completely forget about Eric Carlson, the one that got away, but boy, oh boy, that's, that's a nice bit of salve to that wound. Yeah, <laughs> you know? sure. yeah and I mean, uh, you've also got Maxime Lajoie, you know, 21 years old. He's shown some good potential as well. So in that regard, with those two and the, and the potential, they're have, and they both young, and that's the thing, they've got so much upside, that you can afford to part with Cody Cicci if that's what you want to do. You know, you, you can afford to, to, to trade him if you get a good deal. Again, I don't see them just throwing him away for nothing. And remember, they're not in any hurry. They don't they're not under the same amount of pressure to move him as they are the Zingle and Stone and Duchesne because he's a restricted free agent. So they can turn around and you know, they can say, Well, sure. you know, we didn't have really at this time, so we'll hang on to it this summer and maybe that's a move you do in the off season.
1: And how good does Joe Sackick look with uh, with uh, that Matt Duchesne deal? Everything that he got before, and oh, right man. now the leader in the clubhouse for Jack Hughes, come on. Oh. Uh, you know, I remember Sackick took a lot of deal. I mean, he waited like, I want to say 16 months from the time it became kind of public that Duchesne wanted Pretty to much. move to uh, yeah. actually pulling the trigger on a deal. But he stuck to his guns, and boy, that's the cat that caught the canary there with Joe Sackick. <laughs>
4: He sure did. I mean, yeah, listen, I was among his critics, too, at the time, but this, this sure. just gets better and better for him. So, yeah, well played, Joe Sakic.
1: Chris?
4: Hey, Lyle. So, um,
0: okay, two things, and then I'll give you back to Mark, and he can finish up. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, they were a, a very aggressive last trade deadline. They poured in Tatar for both the immediate and uh, the long term. We know how that turned out and they also brought in Ryan Reeves. Where do you see George McPhee in terms of this, uh, this uh, trade deadline landscape? Is he going to be active once again like that? Is he going to be, because he's traded away a lot of futures over the last 12 months, a, middle, a little bit more reluctant? Where do you see the Knights, and uh, who, who in particular do you think they're, or what type of player do you think they're targeting?
2: Yeah,
4: it it's interesting. Haven't heard very much about the Golden Knights um in the trade market. You know, not not like we did last year where it seemed like they were interested in everybody. <laughs> um, you know, but I I wouldn't rule it out. I think I think that uh, yeah, George is going to keep an eye um on the market. Um I I really do think he he would probably be looking perhaps more at uh, maybe like bringing in a third line, somebody to kind of bolster that third line a bit, I'm thinking. Um you know, perhaps he keeps an eye out as well for a defenseman. Um, but I, 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 you know, he could surprise us and, and go after one of the bigger names that's, that's in the rumor you know, mill right now. Maybe he goes after a guy like like Wayne Simmons. Maybe he tries to grab somebody like uh, like Stone if he becomes available. Uh, maybe he goes after somebody like Ferland. Who can say? Uh, you know, but just because we haven't heard anything or very much about him doesn't mean that uh, he's not going to be shopping. I think he's going to keep an eye on the market. And uh, if he, if he gets an opportunity to bring in somebody that that can that can help the club, obviously he, he's going to do it. As you said, he, he dealt away a lot of futures last year. So I don't think he's going to want to you know uh, trade away as many this time around. But uh, you know, if he can find somebody that's a bit, you know that's affordable uh, to bring in there, I, I think he'll look at doing that. And then last week while we had uh, uh, the one and
0: only Russ Cohen of Sportsology.com on. Who knows suppliers inside and out, and he would—he—he he was very much so saying that he fully expects Wayne Simmons to be traded. That it doesn't seem like a deal uh, for the two sides is in hand. Um, where, what teams do you think are really gonna up the ante to get Wayne Simmons? Because he is probably one uh, in terms of that—you know—big forward, as you mentioned before, who can also score. He's probably like the only guy on that's going to be available between now and the um, the trade deadline that falls into that category. What teams do you think are going to be uh, willing to
4: pay up to, to bring Wayne Simmons in, even as a rental? Well, I think the Boston Bruins. Um, right off the bat, I, I think they're going to be very interested in getting him. He's he, you know the, the the Boston punditry has have been stumping for Wayne Simmons since the season began. Um, so I, I you know he plays that type of the type of hockey you know that, that Bruins fans love obviously. Yep. Uh, but something that their team's been kind of lacking a bit um you know that that you know power forward who can be a, a you know a physical net presence uh can drop the gloves when you need him to he can do like you know that that hard physical work along the boards um in front of the net so i can see the bruins going after him uh you know i mentioned earlier that the yeah the there have been uh, some folks in toronto have preferred to see uh, the leafs go after him you can't rule out that possibility uh CSN's Pierre Lebrun, he's been suggesting, hey, he might be a good fit with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, he, as he says, he's got nothing to go on that indicates the Lightning are going to go after him. But he thinks he'd be a good fit there. And, you know, I wouldn't rule out the Calgary Flames. Uh, there's There's been talk that they might try to bring back uh, Michael Furlin from, from Carolina. But, you know, if, if the price is right, maybe they might take a look at, uh, you know, at uh, Wayne Simmons. Uh, instead because he's a leader um, you know he's got plenty of experience and uh, yeah he could provide an even more physical education. I mean can you imagine him and uh, you know and, and uh, Matt the Kachuk Chuck? out there just, yeah. just banging and crashing I mean that would just wow that they would Not, become a real pain in the ass to play yeah so uh, I'm in the Western
1: Conference I don't want to see yep. that too much <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, out of uh, lastly, before we let you go, what, what hot rumors of, of some teams that maybe we haven't talked about yet um, are you looking at being big buyers or sellers here uh, in the next couple weeks?
4: Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, uh, all eyes are still on the St. Louis Blues. Are they going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? I w- I would keep an eye on them. Um, you know, we we have heard like guys like oh, they could trade Tarasenko or Peter Angelo or or Pareko. They're not moving those guys at the trade deadline. Uh, looking more like guys like Jay uh, You know, uh, Peronka or uh, Peron. Sorry, yeah, and uh, yeah, Braden Shen. Um, I think that uh, that I wouldn't rule that out. He's got, he's got another year left on his contract, and uh, there's been he has surfaced from time to time as a possible candidate. Um, I mentioned Carolina. I still think. I mean, they made, listen. They made a good move a couple of weeks ago, bringing in Nino Niederreiter yeah um, I think that uh you know he yeah he 's been a significant addition, but they 're not done um fairland we mentioned he 's an unrestricted free agent they 're not going to let him walk for nothing. they could turn around and move him maybe for like a, a first round pick if they can get him and then turn around and maybe trade one of their uh, right-shot right defensemen guys. I mentioned like Dougie Hamilton, Justin Falker, Brett Pesci. Uh, maybe move that, move uh, one of those guys for scoring forward as well. So keep an eye on the Hurricanes. Uh, they're not done. And listen, I, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, you know, we should also keep an eye on the New York Islanders as well. Lou Lamarillo never tips his hand. Uh, but if you look at his trade history, if he thinks his team has the horses to to make a, a deep run in the playoffs, he goes for it. So I would not rule out the possibility that he gets involved and maybe goes after one of these uh, guys that we talked about here in the last half hour.
1: Yeah, we had Andrew Gross from New York Newsday on earlier, and he said the same thing, that if you look at, at Lamarillo's history, um, around mm-hmm. trade deadlines If his team is in the upper upper tier of the leagues He's a very aggressive general manager Doing what it takes to put his team in position To get a run um, So yeah, that's a good point by you The Islanders might be one of the busier teams By the time this is all said and done
4: And also keep an eye on the San Jose Sharks Doug Wilson does the same thing We know yeah. he makes big moves at the trade deadline He did last year for Evander Kane And I could see him jumping in here and getting And, and going after one of these guys We talked about too
1: yeah, I agree 100%. He's always, always busy. Chris, have you got anything else for Lyle?
4: No, that's it. Uh, well, I, I just want, I guess,
0: one last point, going mm-hmm. to uh, going back to Panarin. It would seem to me, unless uh, the Jackets go on a big run these next two, three weeks, a big winning streak, but if at the end of the day, I, I find it hard to believe that a team like, let's say, in Nashville, who uh, feels like they can win the whole thing, that they offer a top prospect like Dante Fabro in their first. Or you mentioned the Islanders who feel like, let's get Benairn in here, let's get him with Barzell, and we'll start the, you know, the campaign and in terms of signing him, long, you know, long-term. I think we can get it done. They're willing to give up a first-round pick, a bold you and let's say a good prospect. It's going to be very hard for Columbus to uh, – uh, to say no to and, and knowing that they're going to lose them at the end of the year. I mean I I, I got
4: to think that one of those kind of offers is going to be on the table for them. Don't you I agree? agree? I I would I cannot disagree with you on that. Absolutely. I mean you know listen, we know that uh Nashville is going to be going forward again this year. Um I would also um well, I don't think you'd see them getting I was going to say I was going to mention the Winnipeg Jets throw them in there but not not for Panarin. They they'd be going after a center maybe somebody like like uh Kevin Hayes or or you know somebody like that uh or maybe Matt Brian Boyle. Yeah, um mm, maybe maybe I think he'd maybe be a good more second line guy than anything else but I'm not saying Boyle isn't good enough but uh but uh, back to the point though about Panarin. Yeah, um you know, I I I I could certainly see uh the Predators you know, because making a a pitch for him, because as you said, they've got, they've still have the depth in uh, in prospects uh, and young players that they could offer up. And like you said, I mean, the Islanders, I mean, say what you will about Gar Snow, but he, he, he left the, uh, you know, the shelves well-stocked for, uh, for Lou Lamarillo to make some moves if he wants to. So uh, yeah, it could be very interesting to see what happens. And let's face it, if the Islanders go after and get Panarin, oh my God, that changed. That's, that's, all of a sudden, hockey just got really, really exciting. You know, for people yeah. who you know have not paid much attention to the Islanders this year, because they pull that off. Now you know, okay, yeah, there definitely is a new sheriff in town here.
0: Yeah, I also it,
4: would I... throw in la- last point, guys. The Sharks would be—I'm sure Douglas Wilson would love nothing better
0: than bringing Panarin, even if it's for a rental to go all in. I just don't think he has the inventory, right? Because he traded away the first-round yeah. pick, the farm yeah. system, the, the farm system staying. I mean, you 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 know you, he's gonna. I would have to make. I, I he would have to get beyond creative, and I don't know how that's even possible. Um, but I, I would Find think way. he would. Yeah, I I would be very impressed if he could pull that off. But he would, you know, I, I just don't. Like I said, I don't think they have not uh, the greatest prospect pipeline. That they've traded away a couple of their high picks over the next couple of years with the Carlson trade and the Kane trade, I believe, if memory serves yeah. correct. So. Uh, I, I don't know I don't know how uh, that would be a magic act but uh, you know the, the he would be a uh, uh
4: very willing participant to at least to have the, the chance to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well and well and like I said too. I mean I, I don't see him going after Panarin, though. I I think he'd be looking at uh you know somewhere else in in uh, in his lineup uh to address that issue. Um also earlier uh, when I was talking about the Blues I mentioned David Perron. I don't know why I mentioned I meant I meant uh you know Pat Maroon you know, okay. Other guy. Yeah, I don't want to confuse people going, well, Perron's not here anywhere. No, it's like, no, 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 no. They, w- they won't move David Perron. He's, he's playing too well for them. Uh, no, uh, somebody would be more like Pat Maroon, who's an unrestricted free agent. So, anyway, just wanted to get that in.
1: All right, Lyle. Thank you so much for giving us your time again. You're very, very generous with your time today. We always appreciate talking to you, and we will talk to you down the road again, sir.
4: Looking forward to it, guys. Have a great day. Thanks a lot.
1: All right, Thanks, that's Lyle. A lot. Lyle Richardson from Specter's Hockey. Go to spectershockey.net for all the NHL trade rumors and rumor mill happenings, and follow him on Twitter, at Specter's Hockey. Um, lot to digest there, Chris. What do you think?
0: It's going to be, you know, most trade deadlines in years past have been maybe there's a guy or two that's like, you know, a, a very good player, not an exceptional player, and then a bunch of complimentary players is this is a very different trade deadline. And I feel there's, like there's it. Gonna be a lot of there's a lot of buyers and there's a good amount of sellers. We didn't even get into the little Rangers who are going to sell Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes and you mentioned Brian Boyle. There's a few other players as well. Um so yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, a very active one and it will be interesting to see, like uh, also too, what is I was just thinking when you were talking with Lyle about, you know, maybe Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons winds up in Calgary and San Jose maybe uh, gets an Aaron, but get but gets a good sc- – another scoring forward to add to their lineup. Now you're George McPhee and you're like, well, I got to mm-hmm. do something now. Do I have to do something now or don't I? Does that put – obviously, they'll put more pressure on him to do something. So those kind of dominoes as well. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty fascinating stuff. And, uh, the, you know, in in years past, it's you, we haven't seen the dominoes really start falling until, I don't know, three, four, five days out. And, obviously, this year is already very different with the mussin trade and, and then, uh, to a lesser extent, the Pittsburgh-Florida trade uh, the last couple of days. But uh, it's going to be an aggressive deadline. I yeah, think. well, I,
1: to, to your point, exactly, um, m- you know, Musin might be – before it's said and done, one of the biggest names to move at the deadline, at least um, one of the biggest defensemen to, to move for right. sure. And and we're almost a month out. And, and Toronto knew there was a market for him, and they jumped right in and made it happen right away. That's to your point, sir, that this – it already feels like a different trade deadline. where Teams are – and, yeah, with, with Pittsburgh seeing their need to get depth and a little bit bigger on, on center um, that they, they pull off a pretty big deal to, to strengthen themselves down the middle. So um, they, the teams are going to be identifying their targets and, and making a place for them. I think from now all the way up until the trade deadline, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting month of February. That's for sure. Well, all right, buddy. One last thing I want to hit an OT rant here. Did you watch any of the all-star game?
0: Uh, Not really. No, I did not. I was under they the started off
1: with the, with, the, with the glow puck again. Oh, uh, okay. There, I heard about that. Pl- yeah. There's player technology tracking where they pop the names up above the player digitally uh, on the ice like a video game. Stop. Okay? Just just no. Maybe, maybe if you want to do that for the All-Star Game so fans that are just tuning in casually can kind of get a visual of, of which superstars are out on the ice. If if you do it during a regular broadcast, um, it, it's just it's not a video game. It's just distracting. The 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 vapor trail behind the puck. Don't do that either. I don't you know nobody needs that that watches hockey. Um, just just stop with trying to gimmick the game up. Um, it's fine without that. P- please, I, I don't want to be watching a video game while I'm trying to watch a live sporting event. No other sport comes up with goofy stuff like that. Please don't do it in the NHL.
0: Well, you got you know I agree with that. So
1: <laughs> I mean, you don't see him <laughs> putting the name of the kicker on over his head as he trots out onto the field in a football, and you don't put some tracer vapor trail behind a baseball just leaving the yard on a home run. Just just stop. Just it's not a video game. It's a real life sport, event, and it does need to be treated like a cartoon. Well said. <laughs> okay, <laughs> end of rant. Off the soapbox. I just had to get that <laughs> off my chest. Has been bothering me all week, buddy.
0: Yeah, but we live in a world now where esports is a big thing and getting new fans oh, yeah, and you crazy. know the whole nine yards. But I'm with you. I'm with you on that. If they wanted to do silly stuff like that, try a few things out at an all-star game. I'm fine with it as long as it ends and that's yeah, where and if, them, that's where it, that's where it, it ends. It,
1: if they want to do it like on Hulu with this, they have the NHL package streaming, uh, you know, anything online where someone's watching the game online and they want to play games with the technology online, that's fine. But on a regular national broadcast, there's no place for that. Um, you know, let's say, you know how NBC sports does Wednesday night, uh, rivalry night, whatever they call it. Right. If you want to highlight a rivalry, um, and whenever those two guys pop on the ice and they're on the ice at the same time, you want to flash it up real quick, okay? Here's our rivalry, and just sort of highlight it for a second or two that the the, the Knights rivalry matchup is is they're on the ice together. Everybody pay attention, and if you do it for a second or two, so it's uh, okay, fine. But in a normal broadcast, then uh, and, and just we're, we don't need that. Okay, let's uh, moving on, Chris. What do we got on tap next week, sir?
0: Still working on our guests. We're hoping to finalize. We should finalize that early next week. It's an old friend of the show, but I don't want to speak just in case something breaks the wrong way. If not, we'll we'll figure something out. But we'll uh, uh, we'll have another great show for everyone.
1: All right, all right. We'll make sure you guys follow our two guests today. They both way in depth on what they're doing. Um, follow Andrew Gross from New York Newsday on Twitter at a gross newsday. Um, and we've had a lot of gross news days lately. So, uh, sorry, I had to get that. I had to get that pun in. I apologize to everybody. I was trying to be punny. Um, and then Lyle Richardson, of course, uh, on Twitter at Spectres Hockey, and go to Spectres dot net for all of of the latest rumor mill, uh, what have you So for this week, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week, same time, same channel. For Chris on Mark,
2: we're gone.